0: Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. Hope everyone is well. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Welcome back. This week's guest, Max Eisenbud. He's the head of IMG Tennis, one of the real power players in tennis. We spoke to Max earlier this year when there was so much swirling uncertainty. Um, there's been a little less uncertainty recently. Uh, a number of you wrote in then about how much you liked his perspective. You were surprised by how unfiltered he was. Figured we would check back in with Max on this day. In early December, when we learned that, yes, there will be a 2021 Australian Open. Uh, It's a go. It's been pushed back three weeks. There's a quarantine. It is still unclear what will happen to the events that precede it and uh, the events that are now being superseded in the calendar in February. But the Australian Open looks like it is on. Uh, I can read you an email that uh, Craig Tiley just sent to players that that made its way to me. Uh, Quote, We know it hasn't been easy for anyone in tennis. We will also pay for charter flights, player and entourage, quarantine costs, meals and accommodations. Player accommodation will be covered for their entire stay. We'll pay the full $71 million in prize money. We're working with tours on a redistribution with large increases in early rounds, likely first-round perks of $100,000. Obviously, Tennis Australia can't do that without considerable financial pain. It won't be easy. COVID-19 has hurt us financially this year, similar to everyone else's experience. But we think it's critical for global tennis, the player group, and the fans that the AO proceeds to help stave off any potential atrophy in our sport. Um, so that uh, that is some good news coming out of Melbourne. Um, and I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, happy players, fans, coaches, everyone else in the tennis infrastructure. Um, so Max and I talk about that, that bit of breaking news, that happy bit of breaking news. What can players expect? Uh, we talk about how tennis has held up in this. Strange year, why he doesn't like the WTA's China policy. Wide-ranging conversation about tennis in 2020 and looking forward to next year, this strange uh, rotation around the sun. Um, so here from his home office in Florida, Max Eisenbud.
1: All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I think uh, as good as you can be in this world.
0: We – speaking of good, we are a few
1: hours uh, removed from this –
0: I don't know if it's an official announcement, but a a quasi-official announcement. There will be an Australian Open. looks like it's going to start February 8th, three weeks uh, of pushback. From your perspective, uh, good thing, bad thing? When did you hear? What do you make of this announcement?
1: I mean, I I think it's whenever you can play, you know, it's a good thing. And I think the tennis world – um, has done a pretty good job of uh, of trying to play um, and keep the players safe. Um, I think the U.S. Open, you know, was the catalyst, and and uh, and I think people are probably appreciating more now what the U.S. Open did, seeing how difficult it has been with the Australian Open. So I think I think the U.S. Open really started everything and gave some confidence to players. And then um, you know, and then you know what's happening with the Australian Open is is pretty incredible. I mean, it's so many every day. It's something new. Um, you're at the mercy of the government, um, and uh, you know players have concerns, um, like they should. Um, and there's some pretty strict quarantine coming in Australia. I mean, some of those uh, that's pretty tough. I mean, and you know, way different than the U.S. Open. I mean, the U.S. Open really created a bubble. I mean, it looked like the players were, like, going to camp, you know. They were playing cards and having fun and, and stuff, and I don't see it that way here in Australia.
0: So what are you – one of the takeaways from all this is uh, the, the Australian government doesn't mess around. What, um, what, what are you telling your players? I mean, I imagine they're, they're calling frequently for updates. What are you telling them?
1: Be ready. Keep training. Keep working. Um, you know, and every day it's something new. We're, we're trying to keep everybody updated in real time. Um, and that's players, coaches, parents, a lot of anxiety. Um, first, you thought you were com- You had to get ready really quick because the, the first was you thought you were going to need to leave on December 14th. And that was speeding up. People didn't know when do I take my vacation, especially the guys that were playing late um, now, all of a sudden, you, you're not rushing. It's, it's even later. So, you know, tennis players are uh, creatures of habit. I mean, they have, you know, so this has been very – a lot of anxiety um, for the players.
0: Have you seen the, the redistribution of prize money? Going off the, the Sydney Morning Herald is my source, but the redistribution of prize money, $100,000. Granted, those are Australian dollars, but still. Uh, $100,000 for first round uh, prize money.
1: I, I think there's a lot to that because there's, from my understanding, there's a lot of tournaments that are going to be moved or canceled, so if you were playing three or four tournaments um, compared to one now, right. so I think there's some sort of formula there, so I'm not exactly sure that adds up, but I think that's what they're trying to do since you're playing, coming there instead of playing your february swing where you're maybe you're playing four tournaments so i think it's a little bit of that
0: have you had any players have you heard of any players who just it's it's, it's too much and it's quarantines and it's hotels and it's shifting dates you know call, call me in april i mean have you heard of any players who have thought about just opting out of the next few months here
1: i haven't heard that but i've definitely heard that people are I'm um, very concerned about the, the strict quarantine. Uh, I think, I don't know the latest, but I was hearing that, you know, you can only leave your room for five or six or seven hours. Um, a lot of talk about, you know, mental, is that good for your mental health? Right. Where you're locked in your room. Um, but listen, nobody, it's all healthy debate um concerns for each other you know especially i think on the men's tour um nobody nobody like angry or i can't believe they're doing that just like it, more conversation like is this the right thing can we come and do that and then compete at the highest levels should we wait longer so I, more debate than anyone being like drawing a line in the sand saying okay i'm not gonna do that right. And i think everybody appreciates What Craig Tiley, I mean, everybody knows Craig. I mean, he's, you know, a giant in our industry, Um, so player-friendly. The whole Australian Open is so player-friendly. So I think everybody appreciates what he and his team are trying to accomplish, but also understand that, you know, they're at the mercy of the government who is not messing around. What does he do from
0: your perspective? I mean, I I think you're right. And a lot of players, you know, if if anyone's going to advocate, it's going to be Craig Tiley and and his reputation, uh, obviously among the players is is quite high for a variety of reasons. From where you sit, what does he do that his colleagues don't? I mean, how how does he have this reputation in your estimation?
1: You know, I've known Craig a long time. I actually – when I was playing college tennis at Purdue, he was the head coach at Illinois. And he turned that program, they were terrible. And he turned that program to like, I think they won an NCAA championship. So, I mean, he's just a very talented executive. Um, he He's a player guy and he does the little things. Um, and not just the top players, he, he's player across the board and cares about the players that are in the qualifying as much as he does about Federer Nadal, and Nadal and the, and the big three and, and Serena and stuff. So he's just consistent, always trying to make things um, easier for the players. And that's little stuff, like more credentials at a Grand Slam than the other ones. So you can have your family or, you know, or an extra coach or a trainer, um, just across the board, consistent, player-friendly.
0: You know, and we should, we should point out here, I, th- I think it's one one coach per player on site during the quarantine. But I think once you get past that quarantine, I think then then it opens up. Um, do you have any sense of what kind of entourages your top players are, are planning to go with? Naomi Osaka, for example, will she go with a full complement, do you know?
1: Uh, I mean, I haven't uh, talked to Naomi and her team. I would imagine it's going to be a little tough and uncomfortable for some of those top players. I have a feeling that, Things might loosen up a little bit as we get a little bit closer. They'll maybe be able to negotiate an extra person. Um, but, you know, I'm getting ready to think about it. Like, listen, every day for the last three weeks, something has changed. So until I feel like it's, I can get three or four days in a row of nothing changing, um, Do I won't believe that this, what we have now, won't change a little bit. Um, And I know for sure Craig is in there, you know, pleading with the government to try to loosen up some stuff to help the players. But my message to the players, to all of our players is they got to be mentally ready like no other to have, you know, two weeks that are going to be, you know, different and restricted. And, um, and, you know, go getting ready for a grand slam, very different. Now, I I do believe that once you get out of that quarantine, you have a lot of freedoms to to be back to normal, and you're also going to get a a warm-up tournament. I think it would be very difficult to have these strict quarantines and then go right into the Grand Slam. So I think that is something that maybe after they come out of that, um, they'll have some time. Um, But listen, this this is not – Not ideal, and maybe it's not for everybody. There might, maybe there's some players that just like this is not for me, and I'm gonna wait.
0: Right, right. um You know, we ironically enough, it was Australian players largely that had that with uh with some of the reset events. I mean, it was. The Ash Barty didn't play, the U.S. Open and the French. I mean, I I think you're right too. This is changing day to day, and I don't think that anyone's being fickle. I mean, I think this is all based on science and the government. What what I heard. Was essentially this was going to be a very very strict quarantine. The players would get to practice, but that was it. I mean, you're you're not uh, you're you're not going out in Melbourne. You're basically consigned to your room, except to practice. But once you get out of quarantine, because Australia has so few cases, then it's wide open. So you you get past the quarantine period, and then the the sort of the the bubble evaporates to some extent. Um, yeah. What, um, I, I want to ask you too, t- t- today, uh, it's been overshadowed by this Australian Open News, new WTA uh, marketing campaign, new rebrand. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, it was very conspicuous to me. This, uh, this is all about life after Serena, who does not figure at all in the, the marketing material that I saw. Um, it's based a lot of the younger players, Naomi Osaka, obviously. Uh, do, do you like where the WTA is right now? And what, uh, what, what, what do you like and what concerns you?
1: Um, you know, listen, uh, the rebranding and, and, and all that kind of stuff for me (laughs) with everything that's going on right now, it's really hard to, to, you know, focus on that. I mean, I think it's fine. Um, I think Steve Simon, listen, these executives on both tours are not getting enough credit. I mean, these guys are working crazy hours, uh, changing on a dime, moving tournaments, everybody yelling at them every, I mean, those jobs are, are not easy. And I, and I, I you know, and I don't uh, envy that. So I think you gotta, you gotta start there and they're trying to do everything they can um, to help their members on um, overall question on the WTA. I mean, I I've never been a big believer in the amount of events that are in China. I think that was a huge mistake. I think, um, I think that they in general um, have always led by money um, and it's easy for me to say because I'm not you know in it in the numbers and see everything but in my world some of the best deals that I've done are the are the deals that we I didn't do because of money and when you start getting in that rabbit hole of chasing money um, you start making you know some decisions that aren't great and Listen, I think that I just think there's way too many events in China, and uh, and uh, but you know that that's my biggest pet peeve. I think with the WTA right now,
0: I'd, I'd say more than a pet peeve. I mean, this is a fundamental uh, sort of uh, plank of their of their business model. What you you say that interestingly. I mean, you're you're the guy who managed Li Na and still do, and and saw some of the scale and the and the scope of China. Um, what, what is it about those events? I mean, why, why does just in terms of
1: listen? I think portfolio? I mean, listen. They made a lot of moves into China as Li Na was retiring, with 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 no kind of players to follow to to follow that up. You know, I mean, maybe if it was the beginning of Li Na and you were there and you had a runway of you know eight or ten you know years. Um we have some good young Chinese players that are coming. I mean, you know I just am not a big believer in uh, you know events where the you know it's twenty and thirty percent capacity and, and you know the facilities are amazing, but the fans are not there and um i just i just i I just don't know you know I just don't know i just I'm not saying you shouldn't be in China, you should be in China, but it's a lot.
0: No, I mean, there, there are more events in China right now on the calendar than there are in the US, I believe. Um, yeah. What, you know what? As long as I mean, I didn't expect to go here, but let's go here. Ex- can you explain this to us? I mean, here you have prize money like you've never seen, you have government intervention, you have a country of you know, 1.6 billion people. What's the story there? I mean, why, why do you see these matches where the fans are 10, the crowds are 10 percent? I mean, what's preventing them from papering the town with tickets? What's the disconnect where you have huge market, huge money, zero attendance? What's on there?
1: I think that I'm sure the WTA is trying to to crack that, you know? I mean, listen, I I think Beijing always falls on a holiday weekend, a holiday week or something where – um a lot of people are not in town um i'm not really sh- i'm not exactly sure but i've been going there a long time it's right. it's gotten better but you know you know when you look at like events like um with the men did in in italy uh with the young young stars and 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 how it's packed and the energy and then off of that event leads the championships going there and excitement and um again it, it, it's easy for me i, I want to preface this it. it's easy for me to say this as you know thirty thousand feet away i'm not i'm not looking at the numbers and the budgets and and you know maybe they need that money because it, it pays for other things and and everything i just i just not don't believe that we're just too we're too too much in china right and 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 some of those events maybe for less could have been you know in europe where we have a huge uh, you know uh, some of our great players are, are there um so but, yeah, that's that's kind of something that I've always kind of scratched my head about. I mean, and and it's okay. We've been there, and then we know the issues, but then we keep going back for another tournament or another sanction or another – you know what I mean? I mean, pretty soon the whole tour is going to be in China.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, I think you're, the, the irony is that the, the players all fly in and they're jet-lagged, and the whole field comes from the United States or Europe or Australia, and everybody – flies into a place where there are no players being, uh, being spawned organically. Um, What, um, Learn more at marines.com. What's it like being a tennis agent these days? I mean, this is uh, strange times for anyone who represents uh, someone in the creative, you know, the, the performing arts or creative fields with so much shut down. What was it like being, being a tennis agent in
1: 2020? Listen, if you're Naomi Osaka's agent, you're, you're, you're loving life. Um, you know, her team has done an amazing job of just doing some epic deals and epic associations and uh, hopefully people are getting the opportunity to follow um, some of the stuff she's doing because it's a lot of amazing stuff outside the box. Um, You know, she just did something with PlayStation. Uh, She just uh, did something with a cartoon character in Japan. Uh, She just dropped her Nike line. So, I mean, I think the one thing that, is a little bit refreshing is that those star players continue through the pandemic to be able to do business. Um, I think you see some great stuff with Serena, um, you know, even, you know, Maria, uh, her companies like portion Evian continue, uh, we've already done those deals. Um, so at that level, I think that, you know, if those go away, if those dry up at that level, That would be really, and I think over time, things are starting to get back. You know, companies are starting to engage, starting to do their photo shoots, uh, starting to do their marketing. Um, So we're starting to see that the last, I think the U.S. Open happening, I, I don't think it can be stated enough how important that was, the ripple effect of the industry, just to feel like, okay, like like we had a grand slam we can we can still compete and play in this pandemic real real big for the whole industry that the ripple effect was was big um you know but being an agent is always being on your toes and every day it's something different and i think for us um across the board whether we're recruiting Um, you know, we can't go to the junior tournaments and recruit, but we can be on zoom calls with the coaches and seeing videos and talking to the parents. So like everything else, we just got to reinvent and hustle and work and, and our, and our team of agents have done a really good job. I mean, I'm really proud of our group and I think we're going to be very well positioned when we get out of this pandemic, um, to do really well. So I'm proud of that.
0: How, how would you answer this question? Pro- professional players ranked blank and up need an agent. I mean, what's what's sort of the cutoff for where it makes sense for you, but also for the player to pay a commission and and have this service?
1: Right. Um. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a specific ranking. I mean, probably all players that are ranked in the top twenty um, probably will need some sort of agent uh, to help them. But then there's Again, you know, if you're ranked uh, 125 in the world, but you're from India, uh, you're probably a big deal and you probably need an agent. Um, So I think it's a combination of ranking. I think it's a combination of what market you're from, uh, a combination of age. Um, But just to have an agent uh, to have one is not good for anybody. I mean, there's got to be some business that on both sides. Um, you know, and um, you know you know I had a great uh, call the other day with a client of mine, Laura Robson, who you know I signed at you know a pretty young age. I thought she was going to be you know top ten player in the world. She gets injured, she has two hip surgeries, she had a wrist surgery, um, and then you pivot and we start talking about life after tennis and getting into broadcasting, and she loves baking and cooking and and we're pivoting and, and trying to, and although she's come, you know, she came back and she wants to still play, our conversations are life after tennis and how we can, you know, give her a career when, you know, if this hip doesn't make it, you know, the third time. Um, and Point there's
0: like a, yeah. a baking show based in the UK. You might have a way for her to put those skills to use.
1: Um, yeah. We, I, saw yeah.
0: Her, I saw her hitting, though. I thought she's uh, yeah. a video of her
1: she started yesterday, she started hitting and she still has dreams to come back and play. But, you know, as her agent, we've had the last couple of years. So she, you know, we've gotten her a whole bunch of uh, commentating gigs and she, um, you know, working on something with her, her cooking and baking and, you know, just trying to pivot and, and, and make a path for her um, to have success in her life. and And, that's when I signed her. I didn't think that was going to happen, um, but you know she's she's very well known. Her her statistics in the UK amongst uh, well known popularity is up there with some of the top ten players. Right. So you know we we'll try to take advantage of that and try to build a business around her.
0: Um, what I mean, what, one thing I hear you saying is, I mean, it seems like the the, the income inequality that we talk about. Uh, certainly in the US. We have a little bit about that in tennis too, right? So the, the Australia goes on that the French Open can get these dates in October, and it might be to the detriment of some run-of-the-mill tour events, but no one's going to miss the French Open. No one's going to miss Australia if it conflicts with Rotterdam. Naomi Osaka is still going to make you know, tens of millions of dollars, even in a pandemic. Other players, obviously, are really struggling. Um, what what do we make of that in tennis i mean does it does it matter as much are you concerned about it if we have uh the the rich getting richer and the people and tournaments in the middle struggling a bit we have this gulf do does it, it matter in tennis
1: i think so i mean that's not good for anybody i mean we've all tried to and the one great thing about our our industry is i think everyone uh, does try to help each other everything feeds off of each other and the last thing you want are small tournaments promoters that have built uh, certain tournaments they're getting killed you know and I I do think that both tours are trying to help with uh, prize money reductions um, trying to do everything they can at the same time you have a lot of players who are ranked 100 to 300 that are suffering so everybody's suffering Um, and I think you know I've seen just a lot of goodwill and people trying to help one another, and, and it's never good that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer in any part of life. Um, so, I think that's something that we have to be conscious of, especially when we get out of this pandemic, is to make sure that we're taking care of the tournaments um, that were really hurt and, and try to give more opportunities uh, for the players that weren't able to make uh, income the last 12 months.
0: Right. Um, let me ask you another agenting question. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this, S- Simon Briggs of the Telegraph had a uh, a story. I'm surprised didn't get more pickup about uh, a a Noir. who's been been in tennis for a long time and worked with a number of players. Um, right now with with Rounditch, and it had some some fairly disturbing allegations that uh, an agency that that was not yours. I- is there any sort of code? Is there any sort of code of conduct for agents? I mean, in, in other sports, you've got you know you have to be certified and you can be decertified. Is there any sort of code that you, you and your colleagues have to abide by?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, there's obviously within our company, like IMG has, um, you know, codes and different things that we need to live by. We have a tremendous amount of education um, that we take each year, classes um, that are mandatory on uh, everything from, you know, behavior, uh, what's expected. Uh, I'm not sure what that is at other companies. Um, So, but for our company for a while now, this hasn't been just, you know, something for a couple of years, but, uh, you know, at IMG, WME, you know, everyone's required to take those type of classes and and live up to a certain standard. Um, I think the other sports, um, the team sports, they they do have, like you said, certification and different things might be something that's interest that tennis should look into. Um, you know, the players are independent contractors, so they probably lean on that um, and, and different stuff. But there's so many more little independent one man agents in tennis now than they were 10 and 15 years ago. Before, when I first started 20 years ago, there was the big three companies and maybe one, and, and now there's a lot. So I think that's something that maybe the, 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 tennis world should should look into um because um i I don't know all the details of of the agent that you're talking to i've read and heard some things and i know some of the people that were involved um and that's not good for anybody that's not a good look for our sport um and obviously you never want uh fellow people in our industry to go through those things so i think that's something that you know maybe somebody uh i don't know who would oversee that if that's an itf or or the tours, but I, I think that's something that, you know, might not be a bad idea.
0: Same, uh, well, as long as we're in this space, same uh, same song, different verse. What what do you make of these Zverev allegations that uh, have gotten a lot of, certainly a lot of chatter on, on social media and in, in my DMs, and I think sort of strikingly little chatter uh, among players and, and official statements. Obviously, there's, what we've learned is there's no domestic violence policy um, for players, what, what did you make of that situation? I'm also curious, I mean, he's, he's not a client of yours, I'll point that out, but what what do you do when a client, mean, it's not something we see often in tennis, what, what do you do when a client has an issue like that?
1: Yeah, again, it's, it's hard for me to comment too much on that specific situation, but um, putting, you know, that aside, uh, I think it's obvious that there should be some sort of policies in place that are consistent um, with other sports, um, because, again, that's not That's not something that you want uh, part of, you know, any society. And it certainly doesn't belong, you know, in tennis. Um, So I think, again, I think the tour should be looking at, you know, some policies. Again, education. Um, I'm not – I think the tour – does the ATP still do that university where the young players come and –
0: It's a version of that rookie orientation, but I don't think it's quite as formal as it was – you
1: know. Yeah, so I, I do think there needs to be a lot, you know, some education for the players if they have that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just not, it's its not a good look. It's not good for anybody. Um, and I think we need to, we need to address it in our sport for sure. And then, you know, obviously, you know, I think, you know, you know, and, and most people know that I have some experience in crisis uh, management um, and, You know when that stuff happens you know you gotta try to get the right people you know the right people around you know the experts in the field um, and you and and try to you know hang on and try to do the best you can but I think the most most important part is we got to have some policies in place for these type of things I mean let let's let's close with this. This is uh, crazy times. you you and
0: I are both uh, beeping and buzzing in part because we're doing this from our uh, from our homes. Um, you know we we have not had a, a women's tennis match in a matter of weeks now. We're talking about an Australian open that starts on February eighth. I mean, this has been uh, for, as you say, for for a sport that has a calendar and the the players and the stars are creatures of habit, this has been a very. Uh, disorienting, destabilized year. But I mean, what, what did you learn about tennis? You've, you've been here a long time. What did uh, you learn this year?
1: Um, I got to tell you, I thought because, you know, one of the great things about our sport is that we're so global. And that's our strength, you know, that we have these amazing stars from all over the world. And we're, you know, competing tour on different continents. So I really thought in the beginning, and I, I think maybe when we spoke, uh, and one of, you know, when this was all starting to happen in March, like I thought there's no way, like how can a global pandemic work with a global sport? It's not like what the NBA did create a bubble, you know, everybody goes there, you know, so I just didn't think there was a way. I didn't think there was a path. So, you know, I, I'm just impressed with, 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 uh, the leadership, uh among and again it's easy for players and fans to criticize our, our senior leadership but i promise you i am involved and in, in seeing and in conversations i promise you these people are spending hours and hours uh, uh long days trying to figure out how to uh, save the sport because you know a lot of things can go under to save jobs and there's no perfect solution and i promise you you know, the 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 Steve Simons, the Godenzi, the, the Massimo, the the, the Craig Tileys of the world are doing everything possible to try to bring tennis, and I think they've done an amazing job. And there's nothing that's perfect. You're never going to make everybody happy. Um, so I'm impressed with all those people. Um, I'm impressed with the players. I got to tell you what, how the players have competed um, at the U.S. Open with no fans, with no energy, Um, with just everything different. I mean, really impressed with the players. From all – from the top players to the lower-ranked players, I mean, really hats off, impressed. Um, I'm impressed with the coaches who have – many of them had to take salary cuts because players couldn't uh, continue to pay them but continue to stay with the player – and, and continue to coach, you know, their asses off and, and be there for their players. Um, there's a lot, a lot of things that I'm impressed with. And, again, I think Stacey Allison in the U.S. Open saved, saved tennis this year and, and gave the whole sport a, a roadmap and confidence that things can be done. So, um, you know, a lot. And, and and you know what? You know who's also done a great job is the Tennis Channel. Tennis Channel has done a great job. Of, 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 of creating events when there was nothing um, spending money when there probably wasn't the sponsorship because they needed to, to bring, keep tennis. Um, so there's just a lot of people that have stepped up um, and taking financial hits for the, for the better of the sport. And I hope that people can, can, it's hard to see everything that I just said because you're not in it like maybe me and you are and uh, seeing everything that's going on, but I, I hope people that are listening can can, can uh, uh, trust me that there are a lot of people are working um, long, hard hours to try to save our sport, and I think they did. And I think that when we get out of this, we're not going to ha- we're going to be able to jump back to where we were quicker than maybe most sports.
0: That's, uh, that's, that's that's really well said. I, I had someone uh, I had someone make a lot of the same points that said, you know, I watched the U.S. <laughs> Open and there weren't any fans, but the level of play was amazing. You know, I watched some of these other sports and it's the second string quarterback or, or somebody put on weight or, the, you know, those early NBA games were, were horrific and they were letting 160 points get put on the board because nobody played defense because everyone was out of shape. I said that the tennis players did a great job staying in shape and I, I would submit as you did that, you know, Tennis Channel, you mentioned had zero job loss because they kept putting on events. People were working crazy hours. I think you're right about the U.S. Open. But I don't think it's unique to the U.S. Open. Um, the The coaches, you're right. I, I know uh, of several coaches who said, "You know what? You don't have to pay me. We'll figure this out when things get back to normal." But I don't want to desert you. Um, I, I think that's I, I think that's all well said. I think tennis uh, sort of at every constituent. Did its, did its part. Um, yeah,
1: everybody was rolling in the same direction. Everybody was uh, giving what they needed to give, taking, you know, reductions and everything. And that's, it takes that whole community to make, to get us to where we are. And, you know, now there's, you know, hopefully good news with vaccines. And hopefully, maybe, could we see a U.S. Open in September that is back to normal? I mean, that would be amazing.
0: In Laura, Laura Robson's uh, home nation, just hours ago, uh, we, we have vaccine approval that might be administered uh, within a week. So uh, it, it does look like things of you know, gu- guarded optimism. Um, all right, this was uh, this was great. We're, we'll look for Laura Robson on uh, the next British baking show. We'll look for fewer events in uh, in China. Will you, will you be in Australia? Are you going to make the trip?
1: I won't. It's hard for me to. I'll send – I've been sending one or two of our younger agents who has no wife and no kids (laughs) that can fit in a quarantine for two weeks and kind of be there for the players, um, which I think the players have appreciated. We've tried to put one or two agents in the bubble that can be there to help all of our clients um, when things come up. And, uh, you know, we had all sorts of protocols in place that if if one of our clients – you know, uh, COVID and what we would do and all that kind of stuff. So we'll continue to do that. Um, I don't see much uh, manufacturers and tournament directors and, and stuff traveling to these tournaments where, um, business would be taking place. And, you know, there's, you know, I don't think there's any reason for us to be, it's an expensive trip to go, uh, down there. So we'll continue in our path of having one or two agents down there um and we'll continue our uh, zoom calls and uh hopefully we can uh you know get out of this but certainly encouraging certainly i feel like for the first time that there's you know some light at the end of the tunnel and and maybe a finish line
0: i i think we spoke after maria's retirement in like the first week of march so uh it's it's been it's been a hell of a year but no i i I think you're right i think
1: she picked, i think she picked a good time to retire
0: she, she timed that pretty well um all right this was uh this was great thanks as always
1: all right john anytime
0: we'll, uh, we'll we'll see where we go from here and maybe we'll we'll see you in indian wells or miami
1: i'd like that okay be good all right, all right. see you thanks see ya. great you got it Bye. all
0: right thanks to uh max enjoyed that conversation hope you did too interesting take uh again from one of the The heavy hitters in tennis. Uh, We'll see how all of this shakes out. We'll see if everyone goes down to Australia. We'll see if Indian Wells follows. There was uh, a report that Indian Wells was hoping to have some sort of assurance that at least 25% of uh, the fans would be accommodated. I'm not sure if uh, the California government in December is prepared to make that projection into March, but we'll see. Um, Does Miami follow? It is not cheap to retrofit a football stadium for tennis. Uh, Does does Miami happen? A lot of questions uh, still out there. The good news today is that the Australian Open 2021 looks like it will happen starting February 8th. That's a bit of good news. Uh, Jamie is busy putting to bed Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year issue that you uh, should look for shortly. So she couldn't join us, but we appreciate her producing handiwork as ever. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks again to Max. Keep the guest suggestions coming. We'll do another one next week. Subscribe, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.